God is so good, isn't he? I'm just reminded of his goodness. Amen. Wow. You know, I felt like as we began the year, and I was, we've been just talking about this, that I feel like the devil, the Lord was warning that the devil was coming to steal faith, try to steal faith from, from the believers. Because our faith in the Lord there is nothing that's impossible. There's nothing that he can't and won't do for us. And the enemies try to come and just disrupt that faith, try to, to, to bring a heaviness and weights and just get us out of believing. And I just have a very simple word for you today. Let me firstly say this. And I want us to just listen here that the Lord just says, keep believing. It's so simple. Keep believing. Keep praying. Praise God. There seems to be seasons where it appears that we've lost. There are seasons in your life where it appears that the devil has won. But I want you just to say it out loud. It appears. I want you to hear your mouth say it because you have to remember that you are looking at a hologram you realize that this earth is a hologram i'm not being new age or weird i just do you guys realize that in the scope of eternity i just told you last week that in the same way that we are so small in the scope of the universe and yet god cares for us so much that we're his friends in the same way, if you were to measure your entire life against eternity with all of the advanced mathematics of the greatest of the greats, do you know that it would equal zero? In the same way that I said atomically or, you know, uh, in, the, in the forms of matter, we would equal zero. Do you know time against eternity equals zero? Am I right, Tony Ann? If we had infinity, right? Because we're talking, it becomes, it starts, it's below zero, then it's becoming point zero 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 zero. It, it ends up disappearing. So do you realize that what things appear to be are irrelevant? But your mind has trouble computing that because it's all you know. Come on. I want you just to do something with me. I want you to think about yesterday. What did you have for breakfast? Some people are systematic. Some people have, some people are patterned, so they know exactly what they had because it's the same thing every day. I'm kind of like a guy who has a, a shake one day, you know, and eggs today, and maybe nothing tomorrow. I should have had breakfast, and I'm late for lunch, so I can't tell you. But I just want you to try to try to fathom, try to focus on 24 hours of your life. It was only yesterday, and you can't do it. The entire day is summed up into what, I mean, the only thing I can call it is like a feeling. What is it? Try to describe yesterday to me with reason. Let's say somebody just entered the earth and you were going to try to describe them what it means to be in yesterday. Now, we understand because we were all there. How would you describe yesterday to somebody who just popped into our time? I want to tell you about a time before time. All that your mind is able to do is understand the present. 
And it's the same way that when you're getting a tooth drilled out at the dentist. I've used this example before because we all can understand. The only thing you can focus on is that irritating vibration and pain and the nerves going on in there. And then 25 minutes later, it's done. And then six months later, you're right. You're like, man, I had a tooth filled six months ago. 25 years later, you're like, okay, now it's time for that tooth to come out and get a fake one put in. And in some way, some, somehow, your understanding of, of your life, where you are now, is, is just gone. It just has disappeared. I feel like the Lord wants us to hear something today. What things appear to be are not reality. We just celebrated Jesus going to the cross for us. Amen. Praise God for our Resurrection Sunday. We just celebrated Easter. And really, it's a picture of one day Jesus is betrayed and nailed to a cross. And we have another day, just a blip of time, just three days later, he's resurrected. If you were to judge God and judge your situation and even try to understand the devil's power in the moment where Jesus is on the cross, you would have a skewed, imperfect picture of God and his plans and purposes. Only at resurrection can you understand what God was doing in the cross. Even his own disciples. Come on, I've, I've, we've just been reading through the Gospels again. I mean, in our private time, yes, but also as the body. And then, you know, especially as we came into to Resurrection Sunday there, that I was looking at the Gospel again, and I was reminded again of how many times the Lord reminded them, hey, it's, it's only... It, Based on the scriptures, only a couple of days before he was telling them, and even at the Last Supper, you know, I need to be, this is the time I have to be betrayed. And even they could not understand and fell into discouragement. And they walked with him for three and a half years. They did miracles with his power. They watched Jesus do it, and then he sent them to do it, wasn't just some show for them. Now they're actually engaged in the power of Christ. And then suddenly, when he's on the cross, all hope was lost. Isn't that amazing? In the same way for you, the Lord doesn't want you to be hopeless. Don't be hopeless. Because you might, right now, you might be nailed to the cross Right now, you might be in the grave. It might be Saturday for you. But I want you to say this out loud. Come on, I want you to be encouraged with some faith. Ready? Sunday morning is coming. Praise God. One day, he's betrayed, and the next, he's resurrected. My word today for you is hope. I want you to say that word out loud, hope. Last week, I talked about faith, and it's Abraham's faith. It was the, the faith that he had towards God. He believed God, and he believed God enough to leave everything he knew behind 
and he had faith in God to go to an unknown place. And he trusted God, our Bible says, there in the unknown. And he was obedient to God. He had enough faith to be obedient to God in the unknown. And the Bible says that when he got to the land of the unknown, that God confirmed a promise. He said, a nation is going to be born from you. And Abram, Abraham believed God. But I want to say this, and it's not what you want to hear, but it is the word, and it is no lack of faith. It's actually filled with faith. You ready for this? No one wants to hear it. It took a long time to receive the promise. But the promise came. Who's filled with faith? No one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear a long time. I want you to know this. God is a promise-keeping God. He is. But if you read through every single pillar in the Bible, you got Adam and Eve coming out of the garden, and from the moment they come out of the garden, all the way through the entire Bible, every single character had to go through immense journeys. They all had to believe and trust God for these crazy 10, 20, and, and 400 even year promises to come to pass. Finally, we're waiting for 6,000 year promises to come to pass here today. But God's going to keep his promise, isn't he? Amen. I was meditating again on this. I mentioned this last week. I'd like to read it to us. We are here today because of the promise that God made to Abraham. When God said to him, I said this last week, but when God said to Abraham, I want you to look at the stars and I want you to look at the sand, he was not talking about the Jewish nation. Yes, they were. They were the beginning, right? Amen. Praise God. We don't, we're not bashing the Jews. We're we, our Bible says, we were a wild branch that was grafted into that tree. Praise God. But the Bible says here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, in the same way Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. It says, verse 7, the real children of Abraham. Let's just say this out loud. The real children of of Abraham, it says, then are those who put their faith in God. Which means that when God made Abraham a promise 4,000 years ago, you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with your minds. He hasn't finished fulfilling that promise yet. He certainly began it, didn't he? We got the nation of Israel. We had Christ come through that line, and you and I are here today. But until the saints have been counted in full, and this earth is wrapped up, even that promise has not been completed. Now, it's completed in Christ because he's outside of time. Praise God, right? Just like you and I are dead, but we're alive. You're in the earth in a body, but you're in Christ in spirit. Who believes it? That's what the Bible says. 
The moment I got saved, I was seated with Christ. I'm just living out time. I'm living out this reality, but I'm not, this is not me. This is not you. You in your mother's womb, did you look like you look like now? So it's not too, don't be so confused to think, well, how can I, I can't even think about me being in Christ, but also being here. You look different today than you did 20 years ago. So why can't we also be in Christ and also be on the earth? It's not that hard. It's just your, your, your scientific, your logical, you know, this like barrier mind that we have. It kind of keeps us from thinking spiritually. But we must realize in the same way that God, when he was speaking to Abraham, he was picturing you and I here today in that moment. Praise God. Which means that you and I are part of the promise. That's amazing. That fills me with faith. Because it says this, it says, what's more, verse 8, the scriptures look forward to what time? Everybody say it out loud, to what time? This time, which applied to the moment he was writing it there, and it applies to this moment here. When God would make the Gentiles, that's you and I, I have 1% Jewish in me, so I'm both but he made us right in his sight because of our faith. And God proclaimed this good news. We're using that New Testament term of the gospel, the good news, to an Old Testament character. We're bridging the gap of the law, right, that was fulfilled in Christ. And we're bringing them together, the good news of Christ, the promise of God to Abraham. We're bridging them here in verse 8. He says it was proclaimed to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you, which means you and I here are blessed because God said to Abraham, I'm going to bring a seed through you. Praise God. And we received him. He was Christ. Verse 9, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Who's encouraged? So we're talking about Abraham faith, right? We're t- they're taking Abraham's faith and we're putting it into the New Testament, but we must understand what that looked like. We can't just read it and say, okay, I'm blessed. I've got the faith of Abraham. Okay, I'm ready. Bless me. Let's understand what it meant to be Abraham faith. And Abraham's faith is that for 25 years, I'm not going to waver. For 25 years, I'm just going to stay steady because God's going to do it. And I'm going to make mistakes along the way. And the, and the Lord's not even going to hold me accountable to those mistakes. He's just going to say, that's not, that's not your path. And we're going to just steer you this way. This is what I have for you. Praise God. So Abraham, he believed God, but it took time. And even though he believed, he couldn't believe. And this is what I want to say. I said this last week, and I hope that maybe you understood me. I'm going to say it again so this makes sense. You cannot faith things into reality that need more time. You can have all the faith you want. I believe Abraham was filled with faith, but in other words, this. Ready? Faith that can move mountains could not bring you and I into existence before 
our time. Isn't that amazing? Who's being encouraged already? Abraham had faith, but I don't care how much storming back and forth he did on the mountain of God. He could have gotten loud. He could have put his face in the dirt and started crying before the Lord and worshiping and heaven cracks open and there's Christ on the throne and there's the angels. And guess what? All that faith was never going to put you and I on the earth because you were designed to be here in 2023. Let's take the same exact logic, which means that our faith, we must have faith in God, but we also have to have faith in God to work out the things that we're believing for in his time. And I'm going to mess with your heads in a way that you don't want to hear, and it's just the devil messing with you. It may not even be in your lifetime. If you die not seeing it, it doesn't mean God didn't answer the prayer. It means either it's for you on the other side in eternity, or 400 years later, there's the Israelites coming out as promised. But the, I always think, I always read that story and think, what about at 360? That generation's dying. They don't get to see the promise. Was God unfaithful? We're reading the story in a blip. I read a paragraph, 400 years. Pfft. Right, 400 years ago, we were in the 1600s, guys. Was God unfaithful to this nation? I believe that the Lord's going to do many, many mighty things in our lives. But I want us to be reminded that God is God. I know that's such a... I mean, it means everything to me. I can just say God is God, and I get it. But hopefully you guys get what I mean. God is God. Which means he doesn't need your help for the universe to hang in space. He was God before you, and he'll be God after you. All we need to do, you ready for this? And even Jesus, the Son of God, did this. You get yourself aligned with his plan his purposes, and his will. That's it. And I just need to have faith in him, and now he's going to do whatever he's going to do in and through my life. Praise God. Wow, I'm encouraged. I don't know if anybody, anybody else, but I am encouraged by the Lord today. The Lord is still fulfilling his promises. Let's just read here in Romans 4, just quickly what we read last week because I'm obviously going deeper than we did. This is just layering on last week's sermon. So you can go back and listen if you want to get part one. But it says in Romans 4, verse 16, just very quickly, Abraham's the father of all who believe. And it says, verse 17, he said, I made you a father of many nations. And it says that Abraham, verse 17, it says he believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. Just that alone just encourages me so much. And who creates new things out of nothing. In verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. That's the faith that God, that God wants us to have. Many of you may be in a place, maybe somebody listening on that podcast, you're in a hopeless place. You're like, I have, I've 
I don't even know how to hope. And the type of faith that God is looking for, it's not a pressure thing, not, not something you can try to do. It's just, Lord, I give up. There was nothing he could do except just trust God. Isaac was going to come when Isaac was going to come. Who believes it? I just need to just believe that you're going to do it. Maybe, you know, he hoped. He said, okay, Lord, it's going to be Eliezer. That was his servant. Okay, Lord, you know, I got my head around it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm the worst at that. I try to get my head around what God's going to do. All right, I'm the worst. Lord, let me help you figure out what you're going to do. And then he's like, okay, he and Sarah come up with a grand plan. It's Ishmael, and we're going to make this thing work. That just came with frustrations, right? Came with some extra friction that they did not need. But the time came, the Bible says, that Isaac was born. So it says Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him. See, why did he believe? Why did he have hope? Because God said. That's it. Do you believe that the Lord's coming to get you from this earth? Whether you go into the grave or the Bible says we meet him in the air. Come on, praise God. <laughs> Whether I die or I'm alive, one way or the other, my Bible says he's coming back to get me and bringing me into eternity. Who believes that? And if that's what God said, then we're going to keep believing him. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. doesn't matter who's in the presidency. doesn't matter who's maybe going to rule the world. None of that matters. I mean, it does for my time and day to day. Maybe I have to make, like, micro decisions. Like, okay, where should I live? How should I prepare, possibly? But ultimately, it doesn't matter. You're either fully prepared or you're the worst prepared. The day's coming where it all gets rolled up and Christ returns. Amen. I didn't get a lot of amens for that one. It says, and Abraham's faith did not weaken. Your translation might just say it remained strong. But the NLT says, verse 20, that his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Verse 21, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. God is able to do whatever he promises. And the Bible says, verse 22, it says that God counted him as righteous because he believed him. And verse 23, it wasn't just for his benefit. It says, it says something very special for us. What does it say there? It was recorded. What's it say? For his benefit? For our benefit too. Assuring us. So he's saying to us that Abraham believed God. God said, you're righteous just because you believed me. You can't really change your story, but I'm, I'm going to direct it. I'm going to shape it, but you believe me. And all, 
all your interventions. We're just going to, like I said, I'm going to say it again, because I think many people, maybe someone listening, gets stuck there. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you feel like maybe I intervened too much and it's done for me. The Lord just says, nope. Here's the time in your life that I've ordained from beginning, from before time began. I'm not concerned about your mistakes. You can't mess up my plan, even if you tried, because he did try. But the Bible says that that day came where he said, and they're laughing about it. We read that last week. You can laugh at God and say, well, that's impossible. I missed it. Should have done this. Should have done that. Shouldn't have done that. And the Lord says, no, you can laugh all you want, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it, because I'm God. Wow. And it says that faith and that story was recorded for you here today, verse 24, to assure me and to assure you that God will count us as righteous if we believe him, if we will believe that Jesus is Lord and raised from the dead. Wow. I want to say this. Don't judge God's faithfulness before he finishes the painting. On Tuesday, this thing just popped up. Jeannie was speaking, and all of a sudden, I was thinking of Bob Ross. Who knows Bob Ross? Come on, who remembers? Bob Ross, right? Tap in the brush on the page, making no sense. He's just taking, like, brushes from that you should be painting your house with. He's like, I love this brush. It's like a house, it's like a house painting brush, an exterior brush. And he's like, I like this one. He's slapping the thing all over the place. And bam, 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 he's just tapping the canvas. Come on, who knows? Give me some encouragement that you guys know what I'm talking about. And you're like, and you're, everybody thinks I can do it too, right? We're all tapping the page. Mine doesn't look as good. Because all he's doing is, doesn't seem like he's doing much. And all of a sudden, he starts swiping here and he's cutting here. And, 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 and it hits this point. Come on, who's ever like just sit there? They're on YouTube now. The boys put them on. My boys put them on YouTube. I mean, he's a fun, funny guy to watch already. He's just entertaining for more than one reason. He's just a silly guy. But I'm watching it, and everybody gets that. You're like, wow, that's amazing. That's good enough. Come on, everybody, let's say that out loud, because I think it's something your spirit needs to hear. Everybody watches it, and we all say, that's good enough. Right? Who's ever, do you ever watch this painting and think, man, that's, that's amazing? He's like, whoa, it's only 10 minutes in. I'm not finished. They give me 30 minutes for this show. Chill out, audience. I'm not done. It didn't make sense. And now just because you think it's starting to make sense, you, wanna, you want me to give you the painting? It's done? It's not done. You're like, you can't make it any better. And then all of a sudden, puts a little light here. He starts doing those final touches. And I can really identify with that because I'm a project guy. And I don't like people seeing my projects before they're finished. Because you would think partway through, what is he doing? He doesn't know what he's doing. You see what I'm, and I probably don't even, I don't follow the rules sometimes because I just do what, Dawn's already smirking and I know why. Because she always comes down partway through and just stares at it. Is that going to stay like that? Is that going to, you're going to leave that like that? Like, you better chill out. Because I've got a game plan in my mind. In fact, with gutters, it never fails. I'll tack up a gutter. The customer always comes right outside when I just put it up there just for a minute. 
And I know what they're thinking. They've seen the thing drooping all over the place. It's got two screws in it, bro. Chill out. Like, give me a minute. I'm not going to leave it like that. I don't have five stars for no reason. Like, just chill out, man. But see, when the Lord finishes, you're blown away, just like Bob Ross, at how effortless his strokes are for something so amazing. The Bible says this. It's kind of a strange scripture to bring in today, but it was in my spirit, and I really felt like the Lord wanted me to say it. It's in Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, and it's Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 4. And he's talking about women here uh, waiting to be married, to be intimate with their man. But he says, he says, but I think this principle is such a spiritual principle for every single thing in your life. It says, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. This is not just a marriage counseling scripture. This is a spiritual principle that the Lord needs to get to every baby, teenager, adolescent, even young adult Christian. The Lord has a time where the marriage bed will come together, so to speak. Ultimately, it's us in Christ. And there it will be beautiful. The finality of everything. We're going to see everything. I've been mentioning this a lot. Let's mention it again. Satan in the lake of fire. Even death and sin in the lake of fire. Even the earth and heaven in the lake of fire. Even heaven gets done away with. I don't understand that. But even a new heaven and a new earth. God's like, when I'm going to make it new, I'm making, I'm making it new this time. I mean everything new. Until the time is right... If you meddle or you try to, right, we try to, we think, oh, I, I can do what I want. I can get away with it. Who's God to, to mess with me? You know, God lets people do whatever they want. It's shocking to me because he let us, let all of us do it. That's including me, right? But we all, you can wander and you can do this and you can do that. And he lets you. Doesn't mean that God approves of it. But ultimately, it's not God you're hurting. It's you. And many times we're believing God as believers for things and trying to follow his word and believing him for promises. And the Lord is saying the time is not right yet, but have hope it's coming. In the meantime, I want you to not awaken things. Don't touch things. Don't try to do and meddle with my work. I'm going to bring these things. Come on, the picture, even as a man and a woman, I'm going to bring it together at the right time time and then it will be beautiful if you mess with it beforehand you're just gonna make a mess you might have somebody else's kid i mean it's your kid and now you've got a wife you love and you got some kid i mean it's yours but it's also theirs and the lord will work that out and many people have had that family but you know it's extra frustration in your life you didn't need and I'm not putting that burden on maybe anybody listening. I'm just saying that the Lord has a way, and if we follow it, we stay in his timing and in his plan and his purposes. It works much better. Praise God. I'm going to say this. God is not being unfaithful. He is not ignoring us. He is not denying your request. I want you to say that out loud so your spirit hears it out of your mouth. He is not 
denying my requests. He's not angry at you. Now, I want to say this. This is, this is a small disclosure. Sometimes we need to repent, get some things in order. Some things are out of order. But the first thing that we do is that the second that anything is not going the way we want, we assume God is angry with us. Yes, we live a life of repentance. I live a life that I'm repenting every day. I'm, if, you're, if you drive a car like I do, you repent a lot by the time you get home. But don't assume that just because everything is not perfect in your life that God is against you because you're not seeing the answer to your prayers. Give God some time. Give God some time to work things out. Think about how long it took you to get yourself into your mess, and we want to snap our fingers at God and tell him, do it instantly. God's like, well, if I was to measure it on a scale, your mess versus my miracle outside of time, it's going to be pretty quick. But if you were to micromanage me, and look at my miracle moment by moment, it could seem or appear like it's taking a long time. But the amount of mess that either you or the devil or the world, this fallen world we live in, has put you in, and my miracle is going to get you out of, if you measure them against each other, his miracle is actually very quick and incredibly miraculous. We're just looking at it, come on, like the old saying goes, I wish I could enjoy this forest if it wasn't for these darn trees. I know I added my own flair to it. He's still working it out. The answer may come at our dying breath. It might be on the other side of eternity, but God will fulfill his promises of life and peace and joy and hope and every need met. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. It says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until when? When is God finished? When does God say it's done? Not just when you get the miracles or the things you've been praying for or promises you've been believing for. Your life is just a tiny part of a giant plan. God began a plan before time. Sometimes I think we're in the Truman Show. Anybody ever seen that movie? I used to have a plaque because somebody thought it was funny, gave me a plaque that says, it's all about me. It's not all about me. The Truman Show, the whole show is around one guy. You know, the whole thing is about one man. It's not all about one man. Everything in this world is not circulating around your happiness and your joy and your hope. Everything around you is not so that you can feel good and be successful. In fact, everything around you is like the drinks in the cooler at the deli. They're all designed to kill you. <laughs> you ever read the ingredients? Everything in this earth and everything around you is actually deadly. I'm holding on to a hope that is greater than this reality. I'm holding on to a hope that transcends life perceived in this body. It's a supernatural life, my eternal life. 
And I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again. God gives us a glimpse of those promises on the earth. Many of them he does. But that's not it. You have not made it just because he answered your prayers or answered your miracles or fulfilled promises. It's not time then to just rest on the range, put out a few cows and put up a fence and just sit back and have some tea. It's not time for that. My word says that God began a work before time began, and it will be finished when Christ returns. Which means no matter where you are in your life, whether you think that God has failed you or you think now that he has come through for you, it is never, ever, ever a time to stop praying, to stop seeking him, and to stop crying out to him for more of him and for more of him through you, for him to use you. That's the true gospel. I think sometimes the devil makes us feel like we're in the Truman Show because it's almost like a child going through grade school. You just can't wait for June. And I think it gets trained, I know, as a teacher, right, Tony? And you're waiting for June, too. <laughs> but as children, we almost get trained to, like, I'll serve my dues so I can finally rest. And then we're shocked when September comes around again. As adults, that becomes weekends. I've, I've used this example, I know, many times in this season, but the Lord's, the Lord's speaking. The Lord's saying it. We cannot be, well, I'll just muscle through, and then I'm just going to, so I can finally just take a break. We work to rest. Instead, we should be resting while we're working. We rest in, in, in everything we do. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a trial. Sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes the promises, they're really evident. Sometimes they're not. They're always there. This is what I've been, been, I've been just meditating. I've been really getting it. While I'm praying and believing for God to do this in my life, what I'm forgetting and skipping over is all of this that he's been doing and already done. And that's been a big reminder for me in this season personally. The Lord's been reminding me of like the countless, I mean, just unbelievable miracles he's done. And the devil's got you focused on this one thing that God doesn't seem to be doing in your life. Meanwhile, first of all, he's already doing it. I just haven't seen it yet. And secondfold, it might not look like what the devil's trying to tell me it should look like, right? But I know this. Galatians 6, I'll close with this. Galatians 6 says, it says in verse 9, let's not get tired of doing what is good. Come on. Don't become tired of doing what is good. You know, David does this in the Psalms, right? I love reading his, his, his words because he's like, Lord, and even Job very similar to what David said in the Psalms. They're venting to the Lord. It's okay to vent to the Lord, by the way, as long as you repent after. I vent to him all the time. I just don't point my finger and swear at him. But, Lord, I don't like this, I don't like that. But, Lord, I love you, and, and I don't understand, but I praise you. And, Lord, I'm really angry, but I'm, give me peace, give me joy. So I'm venting to him, but I'm also asking for him to fill the gaps. Amen? But David all the time, he's like, what's the use What's the use of being righteous? The wicked, they're blessed. Everything, they, it's like the wicked can't do wrong. It's like the more wicked they do, the more blessed they are. And then he says, but then 
I, I put my head back on straight. Then my eyes came back to, re to real reality. And I realized that the flowers, they come up, they look beautiful, and the next day they're dead. And Job saying the same things. I love it. On his final statement before, we just read it. On Job's final statement before God's going to come, gonna, the other guys, the, his friends are about to speak to him, and we've just been reading it as a church. His final statement, he goes, you know, I've been summing it up. I'm not going to curse him. All this that you've been talking to me, I, I'm not, I don't understand. I don't understand why this happens and that happens, but I'm not going to deny God. So here, Galatians 9, it says, don't get tired in doing what is right. Because the Bible says, what's it say there? I love how the NLT translates this. What's it say? At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I'm not going to stand here and tell you when, how, and where. I would be a liar if I even knew a glimpse of that. But I know this. I can tell you 100% fully convinced that whatever you think God didn't do, however you think he failed you in this life, I promise you, when, when we cross over, every single thing, every injustice, every tear you cried, every evil, all the loss you think you had, it is all just going to be washed away. And now you're going to be beholding him. And I can tell you that confidently. So, Lord, I just praise you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for this word that you preached. I thank you, Lord. It's my voice here, but, Lord, this is your word. And I just pray, Lord, it would be good seed and good ground. Lord, let it grow in us and become fruit, Lord, for others to pick from, and they can enjoy, Lord. Lord, the blessings and the promises and the gospel, Lord, that, that you have life for them as well. Praise God. And glorify you. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in us and through us. We give you all glory. Amen. Bless you.